Welcome to the Ashe Podcast with me, Jordan, De Yapa Mama. From the time I can remember, I've had the dream to help people radically change their lives and to start pushing the boundaries of society that limit us into doing what is safe. Whether this is your first time listening to the podcast or you've been rocking with me since day one, I hope that you leave this podcast today with a full heart and an active mind, ready to put your best foot forward and start living the life of your dreams. Now let's get into this one. Oh my goodness, you guys. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm going to be completely transparent with you and I have not recorded an episode of the podcast in about a month. Um, So when you're hearing this, I am probably out of practice. So please forgive me for that. But I am so excited to be back. I really just needed the time to breathe. And that's what we're talking about in today's episode. We're talking about something that's very personal um, for me. And we are talking about my healing journey roadblocks that I'm experiencing right now and how I plan to get over them. I'm hoping with this episode, uh, you can get some insight about myself personally, and then hopefully you can find the motivation to switch up your healing journey as well. So I don't know how long this podcast episode is going to be. We're doing this as organically as possible because I have to tell y'all that at the time of me recording this, I have been going through it. I've been going through it and I think all of us have, but Right now, today is, I believe, the 22nd of June. So what has happened uh, since the last time I recorded, which is probably in April, um, there's a global pandemic happening, still happening. I started recording these episodes uh, right as the pandemic was getting really real and everything was shutting down. And now things are starting to open back up, but there is not a depletion of cases, active cases, people dying from the pandemic. And then Uh, There's also another pandemic that's been happening uh, regarding police brutality, the murders of uh, people such as George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, etc. And there's a lot of protesting that's continuing to going on. I believe it's now the third or fourth week of active daily protests uh, for the justice of black and brown and indigenous people of color. So that's been going on and that's just traumatic to go through every single day. And then on top of it, I have also been furloughed. So without getting too much into it, I have been furloughed for three weeks now. I have one more to go. But that's just made this past month, really since February, but really this past month of why I've been taking a break from actually recording. You won't notice a break, but I've been having a break from recording is because every day has just felt like, it's felt like a struggle, right? It's been really hard for me to find passion. I started the 75 hard challenge. There is a coach, a fitness coach, wellness coach, uh, who created the 75 hard challenge. And if you don't know what it is, it's essentially 75 days of radical mental toughness. Um, So, you know, you work out twice a day, every day for at least 45 minutes each session. So you're talking 90 minutes of workout every single day. Uh, You drink a gallon of water every single day. You read entrepreneurial literature every single day. Uh, You take pictures of yourself every single day. And I know there's another one that I'm missing. Oh, the diet. You have to eat a very strict diet with no cheat days for 75 days. If you mess up, you restart. So I was going through this struggle and I was like, okay, June... You know, May was just terrible for me. April, March, February, January, everything has been awful this year, it seems like. So 
I was like, you know what, in June, we're going to radically change our mind. We're going to radically hard reset. And I thought that the 75 hard challenge was going to be for me, you know, I decided I was going to go vegan. I decided that I was going to work out every single day. This was my plan. And I ended up going literally for six days. I just could not do it. I was not mentally prepared. And I think that's kind of the whole point of the challenge is it's not about changing your body necessarily, although that's kind of consequential, but it's meant to change your mind. And I had had planned on, oh my gosh, after the 75 days, I'm going to record a podcast episode about my experience. And I got into it for six days and I was like, I cannot do this. Like I am not mentally prepared to do this. I just can't do it. So I ended up modifying it to the point where it's not even a challenge anymore. Um, so, and I'm okay with that because I've been rocking it um, for the past 28 days, even though it's the 22nd, um, I started a couple of days early, but for 28 days, I have worked out every single day for at least 45 minutes for 28 days straight. So at this point, it's now a habit and I'm absolutely loving it. I am doing walking outside. I am finally going back to the gym that's on the university campus that I work at. Um, I'm going and working out there. I am now getting into dance videos, which is so much fun. Um, so I started doing all these things every single day. And then I also decided with the 75 hard challenge that I was going to go vegan during that. And with that, I realized that you cannot just go from being a meat eater to a vegan overnight. Um, especially if the motivation is to find motivation. So I ended up only going vegan for six days a week and I'm still doing that now. So it's been 22 days for that since I started June 1st, um, where I've been completely vegan um, for six days out of the week. And then on Saturdays, I have one cheat meal. And even those now, it's been you know, 22 days. And even now I'm starting to kind of dwindle of like, do I really need to do that? I don't think I need a cheat day anymore. So we'll see how long I keep the cheat day for. But honestly, I've been really loving that. But I wasn't seeing the mental results that I thought I was going to with the 75 hard challenge. And it hit me, it literally smacked me in the face that it wasn't my body that wasn't ready to heal. It wasn't you know, my physical self that wasn't ready to heal. It was my mind. I had been walking through these past few weeks, literally just in a daze of what do I do now? I'm hurting. I'm not able to heal. My motivation or desire to be better for myself is out the window because there seems like there's no end in sight with the pandemic. It seems like, you know, Every single day or every couple of days, you're hearing on the news that another black, brown, or indigenous person is getting killed at the hands of police. And, you know, there's so many things that just seem like, oh my goodness, like there's no point in me trying to change my mindset because like it's all going to hell anyways. Like that's the mindset that I was having during this challenge. So I realized that my body was fine. My body was, you know, loving the workouts. My body was loving the vegan food, but it was my mind that wasn't mentally prepared to change. I was having those roadblocks. So when I realized that it was my mind, I had to realize that I was experiencing unexpected trauma and nobody intends to have trauma, right? No one plans like, okay, you know, June 15th, I'm going to have trauma happen to me. But when there's unexpected trauma, 
that shows up in our lives, that's the moment when the tools come in place. You know, I can go and learn the breath work, right? I can learn the meditations. I can do the diet. But if those tools go out of the window when depression hits, then like those tools aren't working. And what I mean by, okay, those tools aren't working, I don't mean that they don't work at all, right? That's not what I mean at all. What I mean is I have not mastered those tools effectively. I've, I've gone about it in the way that other people uh, heal. You know, I've done the breath work that helps other people. I've done the meditations that help other people. I've changed my mindset the way that it is effective for other people. It's not been effective for me. So if I don't use those tools that work for me, those tools are completely useless. So let me kind of give you a scenario or a metaphor, if you will. So let's say you're learning how to use a fire extinguisher. Okay, so at my university, we teach all of our student workers how to use a fire extinguisher in the event that there's a fire and, you know, most people have never gone their life using a fire extinguisher before. So we teach them that. So you're, you're learning how to use a fire extinguisher. You kind of learn how to pull out the key and press the lever and you learn kind of what to look for and you know exactly how to use the actual tool itself. But you never actually practice using the fire extinguisher on a real fire, right? So now let's say you're in your home, you're cooking on the stove, and then some cute guy um, texts you or calls you and you get completely sidetracked so you forget about it. And then this giant fire erupts in the kitchen. Okay, so even though you know how to use the fire extinguisher, you completely forget the steps to try to put out the fire. And so you're like, oh my God, because you're in a panic. And so you're like, oh my God, let me throw water on it. Well, it's a grease fire. You now have an explosion of flames in your kitchen, but all that it would have taken to avoid that is if you would have used the fire extinguisher in that moment. That's how the healing tools are working as well. So it isn't helpful to just learn the tools and know the tools forwards and backwards and know the science behind the tools. You need to practice it. You need to be able to practice it and learn it and how it works for you so that when you are in crisis, you can use those tools effectively. So again, I knew that breath work would be great when I was trying to process my emotions about getting furloughed. I knew that that was a great way for me to get those emotions out. But no matter what I did, the breath work wasn't helping. And in fact, it was actually putting me in real panic attacks that I could not control. I knew that journaling could help me in my process of rage about the murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and the missing and murdered indigenous women. I knew that that was really haunting me. And I knew that journaling could help me, but it wasn't. It wasn't working at all. I knew that meditation could help calm my anxiety about getting sick from the coronavirus. And I knew that Meditation would really help me in a state of calm about the pandemic. But every time I closed my eyes, my anxiety was spiking. So I asked myself, why are these tools not working for me when I need it? You know, I think we think about that a lot. Like, these tools aren't working for me. Like, they must not work at all. And then it hit me that my mindset about these tools was setting me up for failure. 
I tell people all the time that these tools are not miracles. That's what I say to people all the time when they're like, oh, Jordan, you know, what do I do? I'm having anxiety. And I say, oh, do breath work. Or, oh, Jordan, I'm really having a hard time processing these emotions. And I say, oh, do journaling. Or I give them journaling prompts. Or I give them a schedule that they should be following. Or whatever it may be. I tell people all the time that these tools are not miracles. And that you have to put in the work to heal your body and heal your mind. And yet here I was sitting there waiting for meditation to save me overnight. I was closing my eyes and saying, all right, do your thing. I was breathing without intention. And I was just like, all right, fix it. Breathe it through, breathe, breathe it out. You know, whatever you need to do. I was writing in my journal and I wasn't doing anything. I was just like writing all of my angry feelings instead of like using it to be productive. So meditation will not silence your mind if your intention is to cure yourself. Breathwork will not help you through the trauma if your intention is to cure yourself. There's no healing tool that will save you if your intention is to be saved. Let me say that again. There is no healing tool that will save you if your intention is to be saved. Healing is all about setting the right intention. So understanding that progress will only come if it is slow and if it is intentional. So I was so caught up in this idea that things worked for me in the past, so they should be working now. But in the past, I was setting intention. I was setting a logical intention. I wasn't trying to fix myself overnight. I wasn't trying to say, oh, tomorrow I am going to go outside and I'm going to feel 110% better. I was trying to find myself. So that's why meditation worked for me in the past. It's because I was sitting and saying, okay, this is where I am. This is where I want to be. I'm going to open myself up to this journey and I'm going to heal. And I think that's really important to talk about too is because of where I am right now, you know, I am in a depressive state. I'm in a hopeless feeling state. I'm in an anxious state right now. I think we're always going to feel like, especially when we know the tools, we're like, oh my gosh, I need to do this because this is what's going to help me. But in those moments, like we're not thinking like, oh, long term, I'm going to feel better from this. We're thinking I need to be fixed right now or I need help right now because like I feel miserable right now or I'm in an anxious state right now or I'm having a panic attack right now. And there are tools that can get you out of those states, but those are like active trauma practices. You know, we have breath work that helps you breathe through a panic attack. There are things that help you get through the feeling of depression. There are grounding and mindfulness techniques that we use that are quick, but meditation is not quick. Meditation cannot help you overnight. The breath work that I'm talking about that helps you go into an intentional healing type of panic. It you know, gets your heart up. It, it kind of puts you in a simulated uh, panic attack, but it's in a controlled environment. But that type of breath work is not going to heal you in a 15 minute time span. Like you will not go into a breath work feeling anxious and immediately feel 100 times better when you're in an active state of panic. It just won't work, at least for me. And everyone I've ever talked to, who also have panic attacks and talk about, you know, we've talked about breath work. We talk about these things. They're like, oh yeah, no, like I cannot do breath work when I'm in a panic attack or when I feel a panic attack coming on, like it will literally put me in, induce a panic attack to happen and I can't get myself out of it. So it's 
there's not to say that there aren't uh, quick, immediate things that you can do when you're in a panic attack because I use those as well. They're grounding tools, they're mindfulness techniques, but the tools I'm talking about, I was trying to use as those techniques when in reality, that's not what they're meant for. They're meant to heal you long-term, not short-term. So your healing journey that I'm talking about, you know, changing into a better person, becoming the person that has the drive, the motivation, the intention, that journey is not a sprint. You can't use those tools to run that fast. You can't expect the tools that you would use for, you know, a cross-country hike. You can't use those tools to run a sprint. You just can't. That's just not how your body works. So use that same mindset with your healing journey, your healing walk, your healing marathon. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So making sure that you're using the proper tools, um, And so that's really what I had to realize during this time. And as I'm recording this, I am still in that process. And I think that's really important is I am completely, a completely different person than what I was even a year ago, much less four years ago. I'm a completely different person. I have a completely different mindset, but that doesn't mean that the day-to-day is easy, especially when we're dealing with trauma after trauma after trauma, you know, the last six months have been awful. And I think we can just say that overarchingly, like, right, you know, 2020 has been really, really hard. We have to understand that the point of healing is not to get from point A to point B. It's to go to from point A to point B to point C to point D. It's a moving target. Healing is a moving target. So just because I have healed from the traumas that I had a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, does not mean that I don't have trauma now. I have to heal from these things. I have to grow from these things. I have to become a better person. And that means I have to start a new healing journey. So for me, this is phase two of that healing journey for me, you know, or phase three, phase four, whatever. But I think it's personally a phase two journey for me. So phase one was gaining the tools and finding out who I was, like who I wanted to be gaining the tools, learning about the tools. But now phase two is about finding how to get back to myself, no matter where I am in life and no matter what season I am in. What I mean by that is phase two is kind of like Google Maps. It's setting the destination for home and then trying to find the safest route back home, no matter how far away I may have strayed. So that's what phase two is for me. I'll be going about this new journey with radical changes um, to the way that I use my time every single day. Because for me, I know that I have to change what I'm doing every single day. I have to change what I'm doing in the daily if I want to change in the long run. So the very first thing that I am doing is I am setting a strict schedule for myself. I just know how I work and I know that I work best with a schedule that is down to the minute. That's just me personally. I am setting time to pray. I'm setting time to meditate, go to the gym, eat, and work on projects and tasks um, for myself. And that is crucial because it leaves out the time for the distractions. It leaves out the time for the Netflix and the snacking and the wallowing. And that's just, again, me personally is setting a strict schedule for myself. The second thing that I'm doing is getting rid of those distractions. So again, having a schedule is really important so that I can avoid those distractions. But if I still have those distractions and I'm still making time for them. So 
for me, I still set 15 minutes every single day um, to look at social media as like kind of like a break to myself. But if I still have those distractions, then like that kind of defeats the purpose of setting a schedule. So deleting friends and unfollowing accounts that are not in alignment with my mission, that's getting rid of a distraction. People who are not focused on education or career, people who aren't in a space where they have any ambition, people who are only posting about drinking and smoking and partying, those are the types of people that I'm just not having in my life. Understanding that those people may be lovely, right? They may be very driven people, but you're still absorbing their negative content because again, we all know that we don't post everything that we do in life. You know, I have friends who I very blatantly know go to church every single Sunday, but on their Instagram, you would never know that they go to church on Sundays. So you're still absorbing that negative content. And that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how driven they are in real life if the content that you're consuming is toxic. So that doesn't mean that you can't be friends with them, but that means that I need to delete you because you're not posting the content. And when I'm in a space of looking on social media, I want to be absorbing positive content. Okay. So that's what I'm doing is getting rid of those people. That also means that I have days where I completely turn off social media, going every Sunday and focusing on myself and my spiritual needs. And I don't go on social media. I don't want to go on social media because I need a detox from that. Because even though you're absorbing positive content, we live in a world where we are constantly absorbing content. We are constantly looking at new things and new people and new information. And sometimes that's just too much for me right now. So taking a full day to actually just take a step back and detox from the social media as a whole. The third thing is paying attention to the physical needs of my body. That is kind of the basics, the exercising every day, the drinking the water, the eating clean vegan meals. That's really important for me to have this reset because again, if I have to worry about my physical and my mental, then I'm going to pick physical first because that's just what I have been historically known to do. So if I put myself in a habit of eating healthy, if I put myself in a habit of drinking water and exercising every day, it becomes second nature so I can focus more heavily on my mental health. So paying attention to my physical needs, creating a habit out of that. And then also just paying attention to my mental health as well, checking in. I will still be meditating. I will still be journaling. But rather than sitting in those negative emotions, I'm instead going to be actively working on processing through those emotions, meditating on gratitude, writing about the season of life and how it's setting me up for long-term success rather than just writing to get the emotions out. So using these tools as checkpoints rather than cures is going to be crucial for me. Okay. And once again, I really want you to understand that the healing journey is never over, especially when you live with mental illness like myself. Healing is always a moving target, which makes it seem very impossible to hit sometimes, especially when you're in your season of depressive lows or manic highs. But acknowledging that you need something more from life is a fantastic first step to healing. So understand that, that even though you know that the target is moving, just by acknowledging that you want more is an amazing first step. And then the next best step is to create an action plan that you can follow and then stick to it until it needs adjusting. So that's another key. Again, remember, it's a moving target. So Don't feel like I'm going to create a schedule for myself and oh my gosh, this is no longer working for me. Therefore, healing's not working for me. No, I know that when the 
schedule that I'm working on now, okay, you know, I've realized that I just am spending way too much time on my computer and my, I've been getting really bad headaches and that makes me not motivated to do anything else. Okay, well then how about we take a step back, cut off an hour and instead we go outside during that hour break that we have and then get back to work. Changing and adjusting the schedule, changing and adjusting the plan and the action plan is so crucial. Healing from trauma that we go through is never going to be easy, but you are in control of how much resistance you put on yourself and on the process. You are in control of whether you heal or not. We cannot rely on others to get us where we need to go. So with that, it's time that we are active participants in our journey and it's time we wake up. I want to thank you so very much for joining me for this episode of the Ashe podcast. You can find me on Instagram at ayaba underscore mama, and you can find out more information about me, ayaba mama, and my coaching services in the description of this episode. I hope you have an amazing day today. And as always, Ashe.